This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. I thought it was interesting to hear the different approaches that organizations are taking. And another thing to throw in there that I heard so much is about, can we emerge from this realizing how much radical collaboration we're going to need in our market, in our industry moving forward with traditional and non-traditional partners? Hi, and welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Duran. Today's episode is a download from really a marquee annual forum that Vizient hosts for healthcare executives. It's a small select group. Last year it was virtual, but this year everyone got back together in person. I asked two SG2 leaders who attended, John Becker, who leads the whole strategic growth domain for Vizient, and friend of the podcast, Bill Woodson, to give us their key thoughts and takeaways. John, I'll go to you first. What were one or two of the big themes or threads that you kind of heard running throughout the forum? A couple come to mind, Trevor. And first, my personal goal in 2022 is to be recognized as a friend of the podcast. So this is my first appearance. Thanks for finally inviting me and having me on. Trend number one or big theme was organizational resilience. These CEOs and other C-suite leaders were really proud of how their organizations were able to respond to and navigate through COVID and the pandemics and the mini surges. Their ability to quickly spring back to be elastic and agile and to find new ways of providing care. There was a sense of pride around that. We talk a lot about resilience Maybe we were overly focused on talking about the resilience of the workforce or the personal resilience, and maybe that resilience need to be more reflected in the organization rather than expecting the people to display that resilience. The other one that came up is the workforce challenges, the workforce stresses, and the fact that we're going to be feeling this for not months, but probably years to come. And overlaid on that is the behavioral health concerns. These behavioral health concerns are not just what the pandemic uncovered in the marketplace in terms of comorbidities, but also the reality that the workforce has been hit with behavioral health issues. And we're going to have a lot to navigate with our employees and our coworkers moving forward. John, you and I both heard that excellent quote from one of the guest speakers about COVID was the kerosene that exposed the fragility or the lack of resilience in the organization or the culture. And there's just so much to build upon there. Several of the leaders discussed that they realized that the second and third layers of their management teams really need a lot more professional development and more coaching. That was kind of their to-do coming out of this. But it was amazing how much the workforce topic came in there, including violence in the workplace that I wasn't as aware of as I really should have been. And it it is going on across the country with legislation underway. My other takeaways were a great sense of positive energy, but of note in one of the topics, health equity, which got covered in several of the panels, there's a bit of a debate about, hey, is this something that's really long-term that we need to work with lots of partners, maybe a hundred partners within the community, or do we need much more tangible, quick wins? Meaning we're gonna target a hundred people in a specific zip code and work with them on diabetes or housing or something like that. It wasn't resolved, but I thought it was interesting to hear the different approaches that organizations are taking. And another thing to throw in there that I heard so much is about, we emerge from this realizing how much radical collaboration we're going to need in our market, in our industry moving forward with traditional and non-traditional partners. Two comments on that. The comment around kerosene, the house was already on fire. The house did not start burning, but boy, did the house burn a lot brighter and a lot more violently because of what COVID added. The other is these partnerships. The system of care just got a whole lot more complicated. 
I'd argue more important in that those organizations that had assets in the community and partners in the community were more resilient, were more elastic, and were able to move volumes around and maintain the business in a different way. But there are a lot more nodes along that system of care in terms of partnerships now out in the community to meet the social determinants or health equity needs that have been uncovered. And they were uncovered. They were there before the cover has been pulled back. A recognition, at least from one CEO, that he said, we probably really are the catcher's mitt for all these problems. No one else is going to be able to pull these pieces together as effectively as we can. We don't have to solve them ourselves, but we're the right place to kind of convene the solutions. Also, some interesting stories around healthcare systems coming together in markets to work together, former competitors becoming collaborators. So the idea of the community health needs assessment not being an individual exercise for an individual health system, but can health systems that share service areas or markets work together to create a common community health needs assessment and therefore share resources, align resources to move the needle around a couple key initiatives rather than each of three or four health systems in a market going after disparate or different opportunities that they find in the market. I liked that as a story as well. I'm hearing a mix of some new opportunities that were highlighted that people knew were simmering under the surface, but also a group of leaders who came together who've just spent so much time thinking about their people. Bill, what was the tone of the executives in the room? Happy to be back in person and get together, really hoping to share with each other. What was the vibe? Yeah, let's start with the most palpable one. People were excited to be in person kind of anywhere. All of us kind of felt that way. You realize how much that adds to the flavor of the conversation or multiple conversations. And it's not only reading you know, nonverbal things, it is just the power of being in the presence of other people. It was good. And then more broadly, the industry is grateful in lots of ways for having come through the last two years. One retiring CEO said, in my career, I am proudest of the last two years and how we got through it. But beyond that, yeah, vulnerability, humility, a recognition that that maybe we tolerated lack of performance in ways before that we should no longer do. And then a need to address the approaches we take in listening to feedback in the organization, whether that's a small group of individuals, or we heard some good stories about the new types of town halls where they're better attended, they're getting tougher questions, and the leaders are willing to say, we don't know the answer to that, but we'll work on it. So there's something happened on communication that I hope persists and continues over the next pick a period of time. Bill, I'll grab that vulnerability comment. There was a great quote by one of the keynote speakers. Our pretext of perfection does nothing for our teammates who are struggling. You think about it and it really resonates. Our pretext of perfection as leaders does nothing for our teammates who are struggling. Our willingness to be vulnerable, to admit that we too have often behavioral health problems, we too are struggling. We, too, are re-examining work-life balance, frees up conversations from those around us at all levels of the organization to start to share. That matters more now than ever as you think about how the workforce may be less tied to an individual market and more mobile over time through virtual work that we need to model the way we need to be more open. We need to drive those dialogues and build more of a team dynamic that our employees want to participate in and stick to. More tactically, we had one speaker say, hey, we kind of resisted the whole remote workforce thing for a while. We gave that up, and now we can't believe how large a population that is that's done it fairly effectively. Having said that, we really don't know how to coach, manage, train, recruit. These are all new competencies, capabilities that we need as a health system moving forward. Yeah, and one system's former nurses still living in the same market or another system's out-of-market nurse navigators and triage artists. The redefinition of the market, I think, is a really important consideration moving forward. 
I think that's going to transition better to the CEO panel. John, there was a panel of all outgoing CEOs, and they were pretty candid and shared some great perspectives. What were a couple of things you heard that stood out? I'll grab a couple, and I think Bill will grab a couple also. One is an outgoing CEO in the Northeast who is heading to do work in Silicon Valley. And the quote from Silicon Valley, I love, the problem in healthcare in the US isn't that we aim too high and miss. The problem is that we aim too low and hit. So his challenge was the incumbents may iterate, the incumbents may make small changes as healthcare systems in local markets, but there are others IT companies, private equity money that are carefully assessing this and saying, we might be able to do it different and better, and they're not going to aim low. They're going to aim high and take some big swings and try to change healthcare if we don't ourselves. John, that same speaker said, why have I been driving myself crazy thinking about another academic medical center across town that has low single digits operating margins when all this other money and private equity and new ideas are on the fringes and moving into the mainstream of healthcare. So I think it's a a re-identification of the market. Some of the things I heard that I thought were powerful, we heard one retiring CSA, I, I reflect on the fact that there are lots of times I used either my head or my gut, but not both together very effectively in making decisions. It turns out that was a lot harder than I would have thought. I can get the exact quote without attributing it. A board member told a CEO, hire someone who will tell you you're a jackass. The only reason you will fail is if you fail to listen to them. So powerful words for aspiring leaders out there. Many of these quotes and stories from CEOs were focused at the level of strategy and growth, but sometimes they got more tactical. And when you think about workforce and traveling nurses and the cost of some of the clinical care right now, one CEO, they believe that cost savings is just as important and there's still waste in the system of healthcare. And you know what? If we just focus on cutting length of stay by 15%, give or take, which is there for us in terms of managing patients differently and better, you won't need that high cost traveling nurse anymore. You can manage your staff differently, not by throwing more people at the problem, but by thinking carefully about flow, lean principles, et cetera, and getting the patients out faster in order to solve in a different way and free up dollars and capital to invest in new markets, to invest in some of the services that those private equity backed, digitally enabled companies are bringing to the market to, frankly, attack the front door of the system of care of local healthcare systems. John, that may lead us into a discussion on the panel that I facilitated, but there definitely is this, not a tension right now, but a recognition that you know we've got this core operating business that we've paid a lot of attention to the last couple of years. We have an investment business that's done quite well because everyone did well. And we have capital allocation that is now kind of a little fuzzy because we don't know what the underlying cost structure of the business is going to be. With the stats that we have right now, the cost per discharge is up about 20%. Labor costs are up 25%. Length of stay is up. And gosh, contract labor is up by 200%. There's a fundamental shift in the economics that feels like it will be permanent that we're going to have to adjust to. Bill, I understand that was the subject of the panel you facilitated, which I think was mostly a bunch of financial leaders talking about economic resilience. Any more details there? Anything else that popped? I think I can feel comfortable attributing some comments there. The three people on my panel were the CEO of Houston Methodist and then one of the leaders from Kaufman Hall and someone who runs the 
Purchasers Business Group on Health, which used to be called the Pacific Business Group on Health. From the CEO, an emphasis on, hey, we can work the fundamentals on finance and we will have to do that more effectively. But the culture of the organization is a key starting point for the changes that we're going to have to make for the productivity breakthroughs that we're going to need in the industry that are by no means apparent today. The balance sheet is pretty good in a lot of markets right now. Trevor, liquidity is pretty good, but it sure feels like something's going to get a lot harder. From Lisa Goldstein from Kaufman Hall, it was, if you have to focus on one area right now, double down on operations and everything you're doing to improve the operations to make your metrics work, it's going to be a tough couple of years because the payers really aren't going to keep up with your rising cost structure, which also reflected the frustration from the head of the Purchasers Business Group on Health, which is the story you would expect. She looks at the scale that sort of helped us get through COVID, but sees it as a means to raise prices for frustrated employers, a reminder that 80% of the commercial business is self-insured employers right now, and they're not happy with the product that they're buying. And that's not only the price, that's also the quality, definitely the potential to do more direct to employer contracting, but sort of putting the room on notice about you guys have a formula that you think has worked pretty well. We disagree with the ultimate cost structure pricing in the industry, and we're your most important buyer. Yeah, I believe it was the employer coalition. Little debate on a couple topics. One was you say M&A, I hear price increase, right, Bill? And some CEOs push back appropriately on it. Depends the type of M&A. If you think about a more holistic, high-functioning system of care or multiple care sites in a market, as the pandemic hit, they had the ability to shift resources, shift volumes, and more and more flexible, more agile, arguably more resilient. A single standalone hospital had a very different go of it, which I think is notable. So the M&A had some interesting debate about it. The other was non-operating income. This idea of alternative revenue streams and a little bit of a bifurcation. Some organizations saying, yes, this is something we need to think about as a healthcare system because we have capabilities that can be monetized, turned into businesses. We may have dollars we want to put behind solutions in order to help grow those solutions, incubate or grow. Whereas others, healthcare systems in the room talking about mission said, we've stopped doing some of those things because we don't think it aligns with our mission as being the highest quality, best provider of healthcare in our local market. So some different paths being taken, it'll be interesting to track the success of each of those moving forward. And again, maybe it's more about execution and less about the strategy. John, I'll come back to you to give some growth focused new perspectives, new ideas, something new you heard throughout the sessions during social time or heard from a member. What was something new that really popped out? First, I'd recommend the VHEV Vizient Healthcare Executive Forum because they do a nice job balancing social time, which was wonderful to see having slowly merging from the pandemic. But a couple things came up that I'm excited about. One, this idea of digital enablement and virtual care being here to stay and virtual care being low acuity through high acuity to hospital at home, thinking differently about how and where to deliver care given what we learned from the pandemic is one thing. Another is, and Bill already mentioned it, who is the competition? There are new entrants into the market and that CEO on the retiring CEO panel questioning, is the low margin, low growth, other academic in the market really my competition or should I be shooting higher and thinking about some of these novel startups being the competition for the front door of healthcare of the future? The third is, what's my market? This idea of a primary service area, secondary service area defined by where we can seek physical care, that's maybe not the same moving forward. And it speaks to not only where patients seek care, 
and which types of patients or consumers I can engage with a digitally enabled system of care, but also who's my workforce of the future. Increasingly, we're seeing chief strategy officers and other strategy leaders not living in the market in which the healthcare system they work for operates. You don't necessarily need to be there in some clinical roles or in other roles, which expands the opportunity for acquiring talent. It's also a risk in terms of out markets acquiring your talent. Depending on how well set up you are, in order to acquire patients, meet patients on their needs, or acquire new talent, this idea of a more mobile, more connected workforce in or out of market is either an opportunity or a huge risk for you moving forward. Bill? If the path to growth and differentiation actually does come back to the workforce, there's a, just a recognition that throwing money at the workforce, as most systems feel they have to do right now, is not the way out of this. So it's building in new models of flexibility. We had discussions about the gig approach, shorter shifts, dealing with new demands, new expectations from an evolving workforce. There was a quote about you're paying people to do work instead of giving them a purpose that might matter more to them in what makes you stand out in your marketplace. Yeah, there were some consultants there on one of the panel, and they had done a study. When an employee leaves, the employer always thinks it's because of money, and we can throw more money at them. More often than not, when you talk to the employee, it has to do with career growth, trajectory, learning and development, and their connection to the team. So there's probably a disconnect at the level of people managers across healthcare and for us as employers at Vizient and SG2 to think about, is it really about the money or is that the easier answer? Or do we need to do a better job of promoting building culture and connection in our team, which may get harder as we think about a more dispersed, digitally connected team versus everyone coming to the same office. That challenged me to think a little bit differently about the easy answer of we lost them because of money versus maybe we lost them because we haven't built the culture and the organization they want to work for. One risk coming out of the last couple of years we heard from a CEO is that I'm only thinking about two months ahead right now for the most part, and that's a problem for my organization. We've all kind of got in that command center mindset, so readjusting ourselves to think again in multiple timeframes will be a key test for us in 2022 and 2023. And then a recognition throughout the room, John, that the exhaustion, wherever it exists in, in your organization, leads to apathy, then apathy leads to bad care. We're at risk. And I think someone else said, I have exhausted workers, but they've also become addicted to overtime. They don't want to give it up, which he said, it actually is a problem if we're really trying to do the right thing. It's a problem if you're paying for overtime. But yes, I agree with you. Trevor, can I steal? I went to a, another meeting last week. So it's a separate travel. I traveled twice in two weeks, which is very scary and very exciting at the same time. The quote was from an individual who's a chief transformation officer at a large academic medical center. They had recently hired a new chief strategy officer. And the advice the individual gave the new chief strategy officer was to be successful, don't really focus on or think about your job as being the chief strategy officer because everyone in the C-suite thinks they are the chief strategy officer. Your job is to help us prioritize and execute. And Bill, I think this speaks to your comment around think just a couple months ahead. Execution of the strategy is really damn important right now. As strategy leaders, we need to think about not just the neat new idea that's going to help us grow, but making sure that that is executed and implemented flawlessly. And that job of the chief strategy officer to ensure execution might be something we need to challenge the chief strategy officers at other healthcare systems with. I love it. That's a great note to end on, John. Thanks for connecting the dots there from something else. 
I hope I get to go to this forum in the upcoming years. It sounds like an incredible group and an incredible opportunity. Hopefully, uh, it feels like a reset this year. This was an opportunity for folks to reset and start to think ahead. John and Bill, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. Look forward to having you both on SG2 Perspectives again soon. I hope I'm invited back, Trevor. Thank you. Friend of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com additionally i recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts which cover a range of clinical and operational areas those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts mm-hmm.